0: Chapter 5 of To London Town. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Gray Clayton. To London Town by Arthur Morrison. Chapter 5. Mrs. May still stood at the cottage door, and the keeper, warned by the light, called from a little distance. "'Here we are, Mrs May,' he said, as cheerfully as he might. "'He's all right. Just had a little accident, that's all. "'So I'm carrying him. Don't be frightened. Get a little water. "'I think he's got a bit of a cut on his head, but it's nothing to fluster about.' "'And so, assuring and protesting, Bob brought the old man in. "'The woman saw the staring grey face and the blood. "'Oh, my God!' She quavered, stricken, sick, and pale. He's, he's... No, 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 no. Keep steady and help. Shift the table. I'll put him down on the rug. She mastered herself and said no more. The old man, whose babble had sunk to an indistinct mutter, was no sooner laid on the floor than he made a vague effort to rise, as though to continue on his way. But he was feebler than before and Bob Smallpiece pressed him gently back upon the new-mended coat doubled to make a pillow. Nan May, tense and white, curbed her agitation, ministering and suffering in silence. Years before, a man had been carried home to her thus, but then all was over, and after the first numbness, grief could take its vent. Once she asked Bob Smallpeace in a whisper how it had happened. He told how little he knew, and save for passing the words to Bessie, wakened by unwanted sounds, Mrs May said nothing. Bessie, in her nightgown, sat on the stairs, hugging her crutch and sobbing with what quietness she could compel of herself. There was a little brandy in the quarton bottle, and the keeper thought it well to force the spirit between the old man's teeth while mrs may bathed the head and washed away the clotted blood as they did so the wheels of the doctor's dog-cart were heard in the lane and soon the doctor came in at the door pulling off his gloves johnny stood pale helpless and still almost breathless behind the group while the doctor knelt at his grandfather's side there was a contused wound at the top of the head the doctor could see A little back, not serious, but blood still dripped from the ears. And the doctor shook his head. Fracture of the base, he said, as if to himself. Reviving a little because of the brandy and the bathing, the old man once more made a motion, as if to rise. His eyes grew brighter, though fixed still, and his voice rose distinctly as ever. Took the bag in, yes? London's coming fast. London's coming and a frightening out the butterflies. London's a driving the butterflies out of my round, out of my round, and butterflies can't live near it. London's out of my round, and I've done my round, and now I'll give in the empty bag, take the bag, and and look for the pension. That's the vantage of the post office, John. Some gets pensions, but some don't. But the butterflies will last my time, I hope, and Haskins has kept bees, but I'm hoping to finish my round and so on and so on till the voice fell again and the muttering was fainter than before. Bob Smallpiece stood awkwardly by unwilling to remain a useless intruder but just as reluctant to desert friends in trouble. Presently he bethought himself that work was still to do in inquiry how the old man's hurt had befallen whether by accident or attack perhaps indeed to inform the police, and that in good time. So he asked, turning his hat about in his hands, if there was anything else he could do. Nothing more, Smallpiece. thanks, the doctor said, with an unmistakable lift of the brows and a glance at the door. God bless you for helping us, Mr Smallpiece, Mrs May said as she let him out. I'll let you know how he is in the morning if you can't call. And when the door was shut... "'Go to bed, Johnny, my boy, and take a rest.' But Johnny went no further than the stairs and sat there with his sister. The old man's mutterings ceased wholly, and he breathed heavily, stertorously. The doctor rose to his feet and turned to Mrs May. "'Won't you tell me, sir?' she said. "'Is it? Is it?' "'It is very serious,' the doctor said gravely, and added with impressive slowness, "'Very serious indeed.' "'The woman took a grip of the table and caught three quick breaths. "'You must keep yourself calm, and you must bear up. "'You must prepare yourself in case of something very bad indeed.' "'Twice she tried to speak but was mute. "'And then, no hope,' she said, more to sight than to hearing. "'He put his hand kindly on her shoulder.' "'It would be wrong of me to encourage it,' he said. "'As for what I can do, it is all over. "'But you must bear up,' he went on firmly, "'as, guided to a chair, she bent forward and covered her face. "'Drink this.' "'He took a small bottle from his bag, "'poured something into a cup, and added water. "'Drink it. Drink it up. All of it. "'I must go. You've your children to think of, remember? "'Come to your mother, my boy.' he was gone and the children stood with their arms about their mother the old man's breathing which had grown heavier and louder still presently eased again and his eyes closed drowsily at this the woman looked up with an impossible hope in her heart truly the breath was soft and natural and the drawn lines had gone from his face he must be sleeping why had she not thought to ask Bob Smallpeace to carry him up to bed? And why had the doctor not ordered it? Softly, she turned the wet cloth that lay over the wound. The breath grew lighter and still lighter, and more peaceful the face, till one might almost trace a smile. Quieter and quieter, and still more peaceful, till all was peace indeed. End of chapter 5. Recording by Gray Clayton.